All right, everybody, I'm going to start praying, gathering, if you would. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Wow, Holy Spirit, you are awesome. We thank you so much for being here among us. Lord, I ask you to bless the word. I ask you to speak through me right now. Your word is living seeds of truth that are sown on the good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. I bless every person that's going to be listening to this. You're going to have good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. And the living truth, the living seeds of God's word, because this is his word for right now, that these words will go out of my mouth and rest in the good, fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, and bring forth a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us <laughs> to get focused, to give you our best ear and our full attention, and really connect with your word right now, and, and to get everything out of it that you want us to get out of it. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, we bind away. The Bible says the sower goes forth to sow seed, and some of it, the enemy tries to steal it. And so we bind that away. It's not going to work. And we ask you, Lord, you said your word is written on our hearts. Lord, that you would write your word in us. Let it not just be something we hear, but something, Lord, that we retain and we live out and practice from this day forward. That the word of God, the Bible says the word is preached and it produces faith. Faith comes by hearing. And so I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, to, to increase everybody's faith as we hear the word tonight. And we thank you, we bless you, and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And this time is covered in his blood, and we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Man, I feel him here. All right, I'm going to move quickly through this. I, I've got a three-part, I broke it down into three parts, what I'm going to be covering. But let me tell you, make sure and try to hear these. If you miss a service or something, try to catch it online. And the reason why I say that is because everything that we're doing in Christianity that God's given us out of his word, it's so important that we do it with faith. It is so important. You've got to understand, sometimes when people take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis, what happens is, is they begin to just do it as a dead ritual. Whenever people anoint with oil, people just do it as a dead ritual. They're just going through the motions because we do it all the time, whatever it could be. And so what I'm going to do is over the next three weeks or so, I'm going to be covering different things that we need to be doing. We need to be doing them, but we need to be doing them with faith. Because when you, and how many knows last week whenever I taught on communion? We took communion last week and you could feel I felt it as soon as we took it. I just felt the power of communion because I taught on it. And when I taught on it, people took it with faith. And so I want you to keep doing that. I felt, you know, this week I'm going to remind people, but, but listen, with the power of the Lord's Supper is the very first thing on here. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read this. 1 Timothy 4.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good profession in the presence of many witnesses. Hebrews 6.12, We do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who through their faith and their patience inherit the promise, inherit what has been promised. How many knows faith you've got to have patience too to inherit promises? Because we, keep, we stay in faith. We keep in faith. So you got to understand, there's some things that if, that God has promised me that have come to pass. But there's some things God has promised me that I have not seen yet. I've seen them in prayer in my spiritual eyes. I've seen them, but I have not seen them materialize in the natural. Now, everybody in here could probably say that. So God has given you some things. There's some prophetic words that were from the Lord that are hanging over your life. And it's just waiting for the timing of the Lord. Because, see, the Lord, is he's given you promises, like by his stripes you're healed, etc. Prom individual promises. I've called you into the ministry, this, this, and this. He's made you promises. And as you're moving forward in life, those promises are yours. But the, the, but the thing is, you've got to stay in faith to inherit those promises. So faith is something you do every day. You stay in faith that it's moving forward to the goal, but you've got to have patience until you see everything fulfilled. All right? Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, hold nothing against anyone. Forgive them, so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And so here's the thing in Mark. You know, if you pray and believe you have received it, then you will get it. So faith is you pray and you believe now, but you see later. The whole thing about faith is it's not based on the natural. You don't go by what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears. But you go by what God's word says and what God's promised you. Okay, so let me just cover a few things. Number one, in communion, I talked about it last week, but the Bible says that the blood of Jesus comes over your life and brings protection. By a stripes you're healed. Many people are healed when we take the Lord's Supper. He paid for your deliverance at the cross. The Bible says the yeast is purged out. That's sin being purged out, a sanctifying work. There's a fresh anointing on your life. Remember, he's not going to remove your lampstand. There's a fresh anointing. There's vision. And there's a lot of things. If you didn't get that sermon, go back and listen to it. It's last week. You can watch the video. It's only about maybe 20 minutes at the most. But I wanted, I wanted to help you understand, when you take the Lord's Supper, take it with faith. When you take it with faith, it produces a great and a very powerful thing in your life. All right. So here's some things I want to share, too, about communion. The Bible says, don't forsake assembling yourselves together in Hebrews 10, 24. Over the last 10 years, we've seen a real change in the body of Christ. There's been a lot going on. And it's like the whole landscape seems to be different. Some things are good, some things are not. But see, one of the things about taking the Lord's Supper, it's, it, I'm not just talking about right now, the bread and the juice, I'm not just talking about that, but I'm talking about also what it represents, that we're one body. Because when Jesus took the loaf, he took one loaf, it's one body, and then he broke it. But it, you got to understand, it's going to become increasingly, vitally important in these end times that we are connected properly to the body of Christ. Seriously. In fact, Rick Joyner said something that really stuck with me. He said this. He said that the body of Christ, if you're not going to be a part of the body of Christ, there's a good possibility you're going to become a part of the body of the Antichrist. That there's not going to be any more gray area. It's going to become increasingly like a sifting that's going to happen. And how many knows that's going on right now? There's The Bible predicted a great falling away, and we're seeing a great falling away in our time. Many people that once walked with the Lord have now forsaken him. But it's going to become so important that we have a spiritual covering over us that is praying for us and blessing us. Amen? Think about it. In the days ahead, everybody is going to need to have a covering over them spiritually. The Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 11, it was really an interesting passage about the women having long hair, the guys having short hair. You've read it, about you know being covered and uncovered. But really, what it really means, it's talking about a covering over your life. That's what it's really talking about. And one of the statements he made was so interesting because he said that women need to have a sign of authority on their head because of the angels. And you're sitting there going, what? But if you understand the Old Testament, I'm not going to get into it, okay, in Genesis, but if you understand what Paul was really trying to say, he's talking about being protected, protected from the enemy, the fallen angels, being protected. And he was saying that, that a wife needs to have a covering over her. She needs to have a sign of authority over her to protect her. Is anybody getting this? When there's a covering over you, when the enemy comes against you, that covering is there to protect you. For example, you see it in the sheepfold. You know, the, the shepherd has the rod to protect the sheep, and so it's a spiritual thing. And there's a spiritual authority connected to it. Now, I'll give you an example. I, I don't, 
I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to just be real just direct about it, but God's called me to be in Rockwall, and, there's, and because he's called me to be here, and he's called me into the fivefold offices, the fivefold ministry, I have an authority geographically here. That means anything in this region right here, I have authority over it, period. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the devil himself shows up here, I have authority here. This is where God has put me. And so that means that whenever people come under my authority as a pastor or another pastor, as our pastors are called to be here, okay, but come under my authority, I have an authority to protect them. It's not anything to do with flesh and blood. It's not to do with me. You understand that? It just has to do with the fact that I'm called to the ministry and I have authority invested in me and I'm in God's will doing what he's called me to do. But it's important that we all get knitted into the body of Christ. As I've gone in ministry, I've heard over the years I grew up in church, and I wouldn't say that I knew the Lord really, but I remember a lot of sermons. And I remember hearing a lot about the you know, the church hopping type. People that didn't stay put very long. They're always going around, stuff like that. And really, I didn't know a lot about that until I got into the ministry. But once you get into the ministry, you start seeing it. But let me tell you what I've seen over the years. I'm talking about 10, 15 years of ministry. What I've seen with people that are like that, they don't have a lot of maturity, really. They seem really spiritual on the outside. They really do. They talk real spiritual because they're always going everywhere, you know. They sound really spiritual, but deep down, they're really not. They don't have a lot of depth to them. And I'll tell you something else. They don't have a lot of character, really. You know why? Because every time something gets a little bit tough, not even very bad at all, just a little bit tough, they're gone. And so they never have learned to stay and let the Lord prune them, knock the rough edges off, force their roots down deep, it do a work in them, and they, they, they've never really had character development. They've never stayed put to allow that process. Every time God starts it, it's a little uncomfortable, so they pull up their little roots and go running off to the next place. And so they don't have, they don't have the level of fruit. They sound really spiritual, but they really don't have a lot of the fruit that you see with people that are established. With people that are really established, you're seeing souls saved. You're seeing people discipled. You're seeing through their life, you're seeing the power of God really flow, really, really. Amen? And it takes time. And I believe in these end times, there's got to be a unity in the body of Christ. There's got to be believers that are coming together in prayer. You know, the Bible says that whenever two agree on earth as touching anything, it's done. But see, how many knows that we have got to get together with other believers to have the power of agreement? You know, people want to isolate themselves and be off by themselves, but the truth is is that they don't have prayer partners. And let me read to you something. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Think about this scripture. Number one, you see that when somebody falls, there's another to pick them up. We need each other's encouragement. How many knows that we go through some stuff in life? And when you're going through something, I remember this pastor was preaching. And let me tell you, don't take what I'm saying the wrong way because I deeply love and honor, okay, ministries like, let's just randomly pick people like, you know, uh, Benny Hinn or somebody that has like a traveling ministry. I just went, sat in his ministry and got powerfully touched. Okay, so don't take what I'm saying a different way. But I'm saying this, you know, people are trying to just have like a television type of church you know what i'm saying just a television type of thing going and how many knows if you're sick or going through something that's not the same as having a local church body that you can go and actually have a shoulder to cry on people to gather around you pray over you go visit you in the hospital minister to you you know what i'm saying so we need a local church and i believe in the local church even though things have changed over these last 10 years 
Some people are kind of trying to give up on it and criticize it. But let me tell you, when Jesus was here, he really did establish the local church. He established it. It was very family-based. It was his family, Jesus' family, okay? It was the disciples that he spent time with, and it was very relational-based. It was very family-based to the point to where if somebody was, was in need, they couldn't pay a bill or something, there would be other people that would sell something to help them pay it. They were there together. They were in unity. It was a family. So number one is, is about being able to pick somebody up when they fall. But number two, it says, if two lie down, they'll keep each other warm. And some of you guys, I watch sometimes these survival stories on television. You ever seen people get lost out in the wilderness or something? Don't act like you haven't seen them. Okay, help me out here. And, and they're out there, they're, you know, they're destined to die and all this. And you just, it's horrible. And, but anyway, they survive and they shouldn't have survived. But think about it. Whenever they were with other people, What's every story? They always had to get close together at night and stay warm in hostile conditions. As we're in the end times, it's going to become increasingly spiritually cold and difficult. And somebody may be going through a horrible week, and I've had this happen. Where I went through an absolute horrendous week. I felt like I had nothing to offer spiritually. I was drained. I was beat up. I was torn up. People were, were you know, giving me the devil or whatever. And I went somewhere, and my brothers and sisters in Christ, somebody prayed over me, and it was just like throwing a warm blanket over me. And every all that pain and all that stuff just lifted, and there was just life. And we need that. And another thing is, it says if one may be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. How many of you know if you got somebody by themselves walking down a dark alley, they're a target, but you got a group going down the dark alley, and they're not going to mess with them. We need each other. When you're together in unity, the Bible says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing that poured down Aaron's head, down to his beard, down to his garment. I just heard Will Ford say this, and I, I absolutely love it, and I've just got to repeat it. I mean, you know. So anyway, he was saying that Aaron the high priest that the same, and this is true, the same garments that he wore were the same garments that whenever it was time for him to retire and pass them on to his, his son, his next generation, his son would literally put on the same garments and would have to stay at the tabernacle for seven days. I don't know if y'all knew that. They had to stay there in the presence for seven days. And so here's what happened. The same anointing oil that was poured on Aaron and went down onto his garments was still there so to speak and then his son would put that on and get fresh oil poured on him and so you got the yesterday's anointing and the new anointing coming together and then it would pass to the next generation so really there's supposed to be a transference of anointing going from generation to generation but the bible says clearly that in psalm 133 where the, where the brethren dwell together in unity that's where the anointing oil is flowing not only that, but it also says that's where God commands his blessing. I want God's blessing. I mean, you know, some people, they, they want all these other things, and that's fine, but I want God's blessing. And not everybody has God's blessing. But whenever you're in unity as a church, that is a place where the anointing oil will flow and where God will command his blessing in that place. And let me tell you, if there's divisive people that creep in, like a wolf among the sheep, they've got to be dealt with because you've got to keep the unity. That's the most important thing in a church. It really is. Because once discord comes in, everything else starts to change. The atmosphere starts to change for the worse, and, and the answered prayers are hindered. Where there's division, prayers are hindered. The enemy can actually start being at work in a church like that. This is good preaching. So we have got to get deeply connected in these end times as, as a body, okay? And taking the Lord's Supper together is such a powerful thing. You know, I just feel it whenever I think about Jesus, the Last Supper. He had his disciples around him. They were celebrating Passover, but he takes that bread and breaks it and gives it to him and takes the wine, blesses it, gives it to him. 
And I just, just having that, that time with the Lord, that intimate time with him, the power when they ate and drank it, the power that was released there in that place, and it just, it just goes all over me. It's so awesome. All right, the next thing real quick I want to talk about. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his course with praise. Listen, we, you've got to understand the power of praise and worship. I want you to do it with faith. When you take communion, I want you taking it with faith. Take a moment to think about what it means. Think, think, think about the promises of God and then put it together with what you're doing. So thanksgiving and praise, when you come together, think about the scriptures, and I'm going to try to remind everybody, but think about the scriptures that are connected with praise and worship. And let me show you some right here. There's three things that happen whenever we praise and worship. Number one, warfare takes place and the enemy is defeated. Amen? Warfare takes place and the enemy is defeated. Number two, the harvest starts coming in. And number three, God's presence is released. So let me show you this. Um, the warfare. I love these scriptures. Um, let me skip down to Isaiah 30. It says, The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. Assyria was the enemy. With his rod, he will strike them down. Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with blows of his arm. <laughs> Think about that. Every time the Lord is smashing the enemy, it is to the sound of praise. I love that scripture. And so whenever you're praising God and you're dancing and you're clapping, you're lifting your hands and you're shouting, the shofar is blasted, whatever, you're praising God, you got to understand that it is, it is scaring the devil's kingdom. It is confusing their kingdom. It really is. It makes, it makes the demons tremble. It makes them very, very nervous. And whenever God would send Israel out to battle, he always sent Judah first. Read the Bible. He always did. Judah represents praise. And I'll, I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. I was going through a lot of stuff. And I went down to Morningstar to a conference there under Rick Joyner's ministry years ago. And while I was there, I was just really going through a tough time spiritually. And I was trying to worship. And there was these two ladies, and they were really dancing and just getting into it in the altar. They were praising God with everything in them. And I literally felt, I don't know if it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just coming at me, or if there was actually an angel, I don't know. But I literally felt something come from their area over and just hit me. And from that point, all that stuff started lifting off me. And I just felt just peace and God's presence. And we'll see what happened was, while they were praising God, and later what I found out, so I didn't know this at the time because I went up and started talking to them. Later I found out they were intercessors and they were brought into the conference for that reason right there to intercede and pray for everybody coming. But see, what they didn't know, while they were praising God and just going at it, dancing and shouting and stuff, they were releasing warfare on my behalf. And so I went up to them and I told them, I said, here's what happened. And they just thought it was great. It really encouraged them, you know. But our praise makes a difference in the atmosphere. Let me give you a quick story. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was in a serious situation. The Moabites and the Ammonites and um, the Munites came to wage war. And he was desperate. Okay? He was outnumbered. It was a serious situation. And he was seeking the Lord. But I'm going to skip down to verse 20. It says, Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. You will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will succeed. You know, sometimes we need to listen to the prophets. Amen? Because, see, there was a prophet that spoke to Jehoshaphat and said, God's going to give you the victory. And so he said, Listen to the prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. This is that passage that I talk about, you guys hear me talk about sometimes. This cracks me up. 
you got three armies, and they're mean, okay? They're mean. They're, you know, I just picture them, these snaggletooth guys, helmets, you know, and they're just, and they're ready to cut your head straight off, okay? And, and they've got, and Jehoshaphat sends some guys with little turbans, just they got their tambourine dancing, you know, <laughs> thanks to the Lord. And I'm just picturing, I'm just picturing in my mind, the army's just kind of like, what? You know, but listen to what happened. Jehoshaphat sends the guys in front to praise, you know. As they begin to sing praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. They were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up, the men from Mount Seir, to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy the other. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, they looked toward the vast army, and they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and other articles of value, and they took them. Amen. This is an amazing story. So as they, as the, as the guys were going with their little tambourines and harps, whatever it was they were jamming out to, had them a little, maybe a little, you know, guitar of some kind. Here they were praising God, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And they were dancing and getting after it. God fought the battle. God confused the enemy like he always did, confused the enemy, and they began to kill each other. And when Israel, I can just see him top the hill and look down, all they saw was just thousands of dead bodies. That's the power of praise. I want you to do praise and worship with purpose. I mean, obviously, we, we love the Lord and we're praising him and he just is worthy. Amen? Okay? But I want you to understand that there's more to it than just that. Here's another thing. The harvest is brought in. Hosea 2.21, In that day, declares the Lord, I will respond to the skies. And they will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I plant her for myself in the land. I show my love to the one not called my love. I say to those not my people, you are my people. So I say to the people who are not my people, you are my people. And I am your God. So here's what happened. Jezreel means God sows. So in other words, you're sowing to the heavens your praise. God responds back down by calling people that are not his people, now you are my people. So we, we sow to the heavens and God sows back to the earth a harvest. Do you see that? And I remember reading Ruth Ward Heflin's book, The Glory, years ago. It's been a while since I read it. Recommend it's very powerful. But she was saying that her and her group See, in Jerusalem and Israel, it's not really legal to evangelize. Like if you're a Christian, you want to go door to door and stuff, it's not legal. And so they knew about different meetings and stuff going on. And so Ruth and her people just began to praise God. They were praising God with all their heart dancing and stuff and praising the Lord. And the Lord, while they were doing that, sovereignly visited a group of uh, traditional Jewish men, visited them, and they all came to know Jesus as their Savior. It was just sovereign. They were sowing to the heavens, and God was sowing back in the earth. So the harvest has to do with praise. So when you're praising God, it's not just a matter of, I'm at church, this is the thing to do. It's a fast song right now, so I'm getting into it. You know, There's, <laughs> there's more to it than that. First off, he deserves all the glory and every bit of our praise. But outside of that, the enemy is being defeated. The harvest is coming in. Amen? All right. And then the last thing about praise and worship is kind of the obvious is, is that we go into the presence of God. Listen, nothing ushers in God's presence like praise and worship. Prayer is powerful, but when you really begin to worship the Lord, I mean, His presence comes. And when his presence shows up, that's when you start having the healings and you start having people set free and lives changed, encounters with God, hearing God's voice like never before. You know, all this stuff just starts happening. But it's praising. As you praise God and you're glorifying him and you're shouting, singing, dancing, it moves into worship. And as you worship the Lord, his presence comes and then everything changes. 
I could go into it and I'm not, but the patterns in the tabernacle are the same patterns that we have in, in a church service like here. We take the time to take the Lord's Supper and get everything right, get covered in the blood. Then you move into praise and worship. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and then you start ministering in the anointing. And people are going into the Holy of Holies. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it goes from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. So the outer court is the place where it's lit up by natural sunlight. A lot of people come to church, and it's just it's like it's all natural. They, they've just come out of the world. They've had a rough week, and they're not really seeing what their spiritual eyes are hearing with their spiritual ears. They're not in tune with the Spirit. You know what I mean? They're just in the flesh, and they've had a rough week. But as they begin to praise and worship the Lord, they move into the holy place where the Holy Spirit comes. The gifts of the Spirit start operating. Then they go from that to the Holy of Holies where you're really in the manifest presence of God and there's an intimacy there. And it's an awesome thing. Amen? All right. The third thing is anointing with oil. I'm going to move quick. Let me say one more thing about praise and worship. In the tabernacle, they would burn the incense, and the incense was made up of four parts. But the four parts of the incense is praise, worship, prayer, and intercession. Everybody get that? Praise and worship, prayer, and intercession. When you mix, see, as they would stand right before the veil and they were at that altar of incense, they were burning that incense, it was praise and worship, prayer, and intercession. Then they would be moved into the Holy of Holies. So as you praise and worship, pray and intercede, you're going to move from the holy place into the Holy of Holies. Everybody get that? All right. So just like tonight, you know, as we're praising and worshiping and praying and interceding, it's powerful. All right, anointing with oil. The quick thing about this, in the Bible, the anointing with oil was awesome powerful. And it would set people apart as holy unto God. Everybody, everybody get this. The anointing with oil is setting people apart as holy. It's setting them apart. And so when you take the anointing oil and you anoint a house, you're setting that house apart to be used of God. Whenever you take and you anoint a person with oil, you're setting them apart to be used of God. Okay. So the anointing with oil is something that sets people, places, or things apart to be used of God in a powerful way. And let me show you some things real quick in the scriptures, but Exodus 30 shows how they made the anointing oil. You can look that up for yourself. But in Exodus 30, 30, it says, anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. So they would anoint the priest and consecrate them and set them apart to serve God. Okay? But look at the New Testament. So that's the Old Testament pattern, and Jesus fulfills that. And in Mark 6, 12, it says that they went out. Jesus sent out his 70 to preach that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Think about that. And so, James 5.14, If anyone is sick among you, let him call upon the elders of the church to pray over them, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that's offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they sin, they will be forgiven. And so, the book of James says when somebody's sick, to anoint them with oil, and the Lord will release healing. So why is the anointing with oil so powerful? Mark 6, 12, they drove out demons, anointed many sick people, brought healing. James 5, let the elders anoint with oil. So whenever we're anointing with oil, I don't want people to just think, well, you're at church, that's just what you do. You slap some oil around, you know, that's just part of it, you know. I want you to combine it with faith that you actually know what the Word says. It actually is setting people apart as holy, sanctifying them. That's why healing is taking place, because they're being set apart. And that's why it's important that we anoint with oil, not only for healing, but also for deliverance and also for people being set apart to be used by God. Okay? All right, another thing real quick is water baptism. 
I'm actually don't have a lot more to cover here, but I just wanted, I want to string, is this helping you guys? I really felt the Lord tell me to make sure that you guys have an opportunity to understand what the word says, because then you're going to start doing it with faith. When you anoint your house, do it with faith. This, this is setting it apart. If you ever feel like you need to anoint land or something and pour out some anointing oil, do it with faith that you're setting that apart. It's holy unto God when you anoint people. All right, water baptism. It is not just a dead ritual. I've heard so many preachers and, and people that they're trying to overcompensate for some bad doctrine out there that teaches people that you've got to be water baptized to go to heaven. Okay, that's not true. What, if it was, what about the thief on the cross? Hello. Anyway, so... You, that's not true, but then they try to overcompensate and try to downplay baptism that it's not even important at all. Well, we just have to do this, but it's not a big thing. You know, give me a break. It is a big thing, and it's powerful. It doesn't save you, but it's powerful. Let me show you in 1 Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For the drink came from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So the rock that poured out water that was with them, the Bible calls that Christ with them. That's awesome. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with some of them, and their bodies were scattered through the wilderness. I'm just going to focus in on this. It says, brothers, our ancestors passed through the cloud and through the sea. They were baptized into Moses, okay? Going through the cloud is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Going through the Red Sea was Israel's baptism, their water baptism. That's what it says. They were baptized into Moses. Don't you think about this. The same water that baptized the children of Israel was the same water that shut behind them and separated them from their past. It separated them from Egypt. There's a power in water baptism. You can go to heaven without it, but why in the world would you want to? Because there's such a power in it that it, would, it helps to separate you from your past. And I remember during the Brownsville revival, I heard John Kilpatrick say, people that are getting water baptized, it seems like the people that are getting water baptized are not falling away, but some of those that have not got water baptized are falling back into their old sins. Not only that, but it also destroyed their pursuing enemies. So the enemies that were chasing them from their past, how many knows whenever you get saved, there's some stuff trying to chase you down <laughs> from your past, amen? That's why I always tell people when you get saved, you need to separate yourself. Quit going to the old parties you're going to. Quit hanging around the old people you were hanging around. Quit doing all the old stuff. Separate yourself, okay? But there's some stuff that's trying to chase people down and grab hold of them and pull them back into their old life. Well, water baptism helps to destroy those pursuing enemies. Amen? So when you water baptize people in the future, understand the power in it, the power to help separate them from their past and destroy their enemies that are chasing them. This is good stuff. All right, last couple things is the prayer shawl. You guys are familiar with prayer shawls. All right, you know, in, in, number one, let me go through this real fast. At Numbers 15, 37, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them throughout the generations to come to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at so that you will remember all the commands of the Lord and you will obey them. And do not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own heart and eyes. Now, let me also, so in other words, God told him to make these prayer shawls for all generations right there. All right, but think about this. Acts 19, 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Isn't that powerful? So there can be a transference of the anointing that goes through cloth. I don't understand it, but it's, it's real. So we can lay hands on, on cloth and send it 
and put it on somebody and they can be healed or delivered. And I've seen it happen. Of course, it's in the Bible, but I've seen it. So one of the things I've noticed about the prayer shawl that's really neat is that there seems to be a resident anointing that can get into prayer cloths, prayer shawls. You hear me? Because in the Bible, you know, Elijah always had that prayer shawl. I'm sure Jesus did too. But he would always pull that thing up and when he, whenever he prayed to hear from God. But you know, I can just see in my own heart and in my own life, you know, there's a power about this because sometimes you're going through a tough time. You get up to go pray in the morning, you put on some worship, and then that old prayer shawl that you've had, that you've had some really anointed prayer times with the Lord or whatever, you're going through a tough time. And you wrap that thing over you and you begin to pray in that anointing that's resident in that thing. Now let me, let me say this though. About anything, no matter what it is, don't ever allow yourself to get focused on the thing. Always keep your focus on the Lord. Because people make idols about anything. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm not talking about idolatry. I'm talking about just doing what the Bible says do. But anyway, there is a power in these things. And I've, I have felt led many times when praying with people to use a prayer shawl. As a matter of fact, I prayed with Caitlin tonight with a prayer shawl. But as soon as I had put that prayer shawl, man, she was hit by the power. There's just, and now, whenever you have that prayer shawl, see, if she's going through a tough time or something, put that prayer shawl and that anointing. I'll give you one quick story. Before I knew anything about prayer shawls, I went to minister probably in like 2002. I went to minister somewhere. And these people really had horrible past, okay? And as I was preaching, a lot of people got saved. I was laying hands on a lot of people. I was the only one praying. And all this junk was leaving people's lives. And I'm talking about demonic stuff. I mean, this was a hardcore group. And as I went home the next day, I just felt such a oh, oh, heaviness coming against me. It was a backlash from that powerful service. Some of you preachers know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I felt that. And I was sitting there praying. I was trying to press through and pray. And listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but this is what happened. I was there praying. I was like, Lord... I'm having a hard time praying. Help me get a breakthrough here because I want to spend time with you. And I heard the Lord as clearly as I've ever heard him. And he said, do you remember the shirt you wore last night to preach in? I said, well, yeah. He said, I want you to put it on. And I was like, and so I went, all right. Well, I was by myself, so who cares, right? And so I was like, whatever. So I go over there and I get the shirt. I find it and I put it on. As soon as I put that shirt on, the same anointing that was on me the night before came on me strong. I was like, whoa. And instantly, I was right in his presence. So that kind of shows you the power of, and I remember I went to see R.W. Shambach. You guys ever heard him preach? He's awesome, man of God. And I saw him have some crazy-looking thing on whenever he was praying for people. And I was like, what in the world? And, um, and this is what he said. He says, you know, he's, he's an old man. He said, you know that I'm humble if I'm willing to wear this. And I was like, what? Come to find out, some woman had taken um, something and had sewn all of these little prayer cloths. It was like sewn in. So it was like layers of this, like a robe all over him. And while he was praying for people, he was sitting in the chair praying for a bay they brought up to him, he was wearing this. And he said, after I'm done praying with everybody, they're going to go grab these things and distribute them all over, you know. <laughs> and he said, but you know I'm humble if I'm willing to wear this. And it was actually Chelmer was with me when we went. But it was powerful, powerful time. Does that open your eyes about some things? All right. That's something maybe you've never heard before, but there can be a resident anointing in things. All right, number six, the shofar. This is what I'm going to close with. The shofar is awesome. I like the shofar because it's loud. Amen. That's why I like it. But there is a power in the shofar. There is a power in blasting the shofar. All right, quick some quick things about it. Number one, this is why I close with Gideon's victory. God took Gideon. He only had 300 men. That's it. And he was coming up against hundreds of thousands, okay? And they're in this valley camped out, hundreds of thousands. And God told Gideon, I'm going to give you the victory with 300 men. They were 300 men, though, with a shofar. 
and they were 300 men with a lamp. I'm sure they had a sword on. But anyway, Gideon told him, said, I want you to, to surround them up on the edge. So there was 300 guys surrounding it up on the edge. And Gideon said, I want you to break open that lamp and then blast your shofar. And that's what they did. All of them broke open the lamp and blasted the shofar. And while 300 shofars were ringing out into the night, the enemy got so confused that they began to jump up, panic, and freak out and kill each other. Pretty soon, all of them were dead or running off, and Gideon and his men had delivered the nation of Israel, or God had, you know, through him. But that's the power of blasting the shofar. But, you know, if you don't do it with faith, you're just tooting a horn. If you don't do it with faith, you're just tooting a horn. If you don't do it with faith, you know, you're just slapping oil around. If you don't do it with faith, you're just eating bread and drinking some juice. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's, it's important to do it with faith. All right, also the walls of Jericho came down, so they marched around it. On the last day, they lifted up the shofars, blasted. I can just see those guys up on that wall, Brother Jeremy, just looking at them going, look at these guys. They got horns, and they're tooting their little horns. And then next thing you know, all of a sudden there's an earthquake underneath them. And the walls got sucked down straight in the ground. You know, archaeologists state that they found this. And what it looks like is it looks like that the earth just opened up and the walls went straight down into the ground. And all of a sudden the walls, can't you just picture it? The walls all of a sudden sucked down and all the people are just standing there. One of them like cooking a chicken or something. They're like looking up. <laughs> and it's like the walls are gone, man. They thought that they were impenetrable. So all of them are just taking it easy, you know. And all of a sudden, in comes Israel shouting and just slaughtering them. Listen, this is interesting too. Jubilee, every 50th year, the principle of Jubilee is really neat because everything that you obtained that you should not have, you had to surrender back. But everything, everything that God gave you, it was your inheritance, it was the inheritance of your family, in Jubilee, okay, God apportioned the tribe of Dan, this land, and this, you know, it's theirs. It belongs to them. But if some of them had to sell it to pay a debt or whatever, they kind of lost it for a time. On the, in the year of Jubilee, everything that was rightfully yours is given back to you. But anything that you've acquired that belonged to somebody else, you had to surrender that. But see, the way that Jubilee was began was by people going throughout the land blasting the shofar. Also, we just celebrated Rosh Hashanah. And let me say this too. The, the Jewish people, Israel, is God's calendar, I'm telling you. And it's interesting because I love our new year and everything, you know, but I never really feel as much significance about it as I do Rosh Hashanah because it is now Israel's new year. It just turned over. And it always feels in my spirit like we're moving into a new season. It always feels like that. So keep your eye on what's going on with Israel. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm a Gentile guy, okay? But if I'm not mistaken, we're in the Feast of Tabernacles or coming upon it, okay? And just knowing that and knowing what's going on in Israel, it's important. But anyway, Rosh Hashanah is their new year. You know how they, they celebrate their new year or at least acknowledge their new year is the blasting of the shofar. And the last thing is this. Whenever God was using King David to bring the ark, I believe it was in Gibeah, bring it back to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, as they were bringing in the ark, they were blasting the shofar. And here's the thing. The ark is God's glory. As, you're, as the glory of God comes in, there's something about blasting the shofar. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a powerful thing. So you guys see a lot of this, especially in revival. You know, the thing about revival is this. God is restoring back through revival. That's how he's doing it. He's restoring back to the church what Satan has stolen. And we're taking ground. Revival helps the kingdom of God take ground. Ground that previously was hard to take, you're taking ground. Okay? And so in these revivals, what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of this stuff I'm preaching about. You know what I'm saying? 
And some of you may be wondering, well, what's the power in it? What's the significance of it? Why are they doing this? What's going on? Well, now I'm hoping through these sermons over the next three weeks to kind of shed some light so you're going to do it with faith now. When you water baptize, it's going to be with faith. When you anoint with oil, it's going to be in faith. When you blast the shofar, faith. Amen? All right. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. And I feel the water stirring. I feel in my spirit, I feel that God is doing something new. And I really feel that we've entered into a new season as a church, River of Life. It's a totally new season. It's a new day. While I was at this conference, Cindy Jacobs and some other ministries came together. It's at Heartland. And I went Friday morning. But while I was there, God, I mean, powerfully touched me. And uh, some of you may even know Pastor Sam. I don't know. But it, it's Benny Hinn's brother, Sam. So if you, if you know Benny Hinn, you'll know at least who and generally who I'm talking about. But anyway, Sam was there. And we talked for a few minutes. And I, I said, but Sam, just pray for me, would you? And he, you know what he prayed? He said, it's a new season. Rosh Hashanah, he said, it's a new season. It's a new season. And he kept praying over me. About, and I felt it. I felt as I was leaving there that something had transitioned in the spirit. And I also felt that that tenfold increase of anointing thing that was prophesied, that it, that, ten, that tenth part may have actually happened that morning. That's how powerful it was. I feel him. Man, y'all feel that? Wow. All right, let's just worship Lord for a moment. I'm, I'm done preaching. And, um, shoo, tiaman, yalolo. But that's why sometimes people will take like anointing oil to a move of God, a revival. I remember one time I went down to Pensacola to the revival. And I knew that I was going to be coming back and anointing and praying over a lot of people that had really bad pasts. They had come out of a lot of drugs, gangs, witchcraft, I mean, hardcore stuff. And I knew I was going to be anointing them and praying for them. And I took that anointing oil down there with me, and I said to some of the guys there, I said, guys, I want you to pray with me. because this, this right here is going to be on some foreheads, okay? I want you all to pray with me. And God really, he came into that, I'm telling you. When I went back and started anointing them, it was like every person I just barely touched was like, Pwah! hit by the power. But Lord, we thank you. I feel the Lord would say to you that the winds of change are now blowing. Things have been going in one direction, and you've prophetically seen the change coming. You've prophetically seen and prophesied and known that a shift was coming, but the Lord would say to you the winds of change are now right now, blowing, says the Lord. And I just prophesy and speak out, you know, to the, to the bones, the, the dead bones in people's lives, and I declare life. I command that things that you've been praying about for years begin to shift and come into alignment with the promises of God. I speak that prophecies that have been hanging over you will now begin to come to pass. I speak it forward. I speak that what the enemy has stolen is going to be restored unto you sevenfold, and now there's going to be a shift. Areas that have been stubborn are going to begin to move. And I see as I'm saying that, I see like a boulder, but I see like leverage that something is pulling and that boulder is moving. I see it in, as I'm speaking it forth, and I declare that, that health issues that have been stubborn will shift and come into, uh, align themselves with the word of God that by a stripes you're healed. The same, spirit of the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you and gives life to your body. 
I declare that soul area will be healed in people and prosper and be full of the life of God. I declare that the spirit man will be made whole and sanctified right now. And I feel like the Lord is about to put like a, a mantle on some people for the future. Caitlin, can you help me out and go get that prayer shawl that, that I was using earlier? I'm going to pray over some people. I feel some mantling right now. The Lord's going to put a new authority on some people. Oh, man. I don't know if you guys feel out there what I feel up here, but my goodness. Listen, the Lord confirms his word. Amen. Thank you, honey. Brianna, come here. And I want to get some, uh, I need some help. Brother Zach, I don't know if you're busy, but Ed, can you help me catch or whatever? But Father, I thank you for the mantling in Jesus' name that you're going to do for this next season. A new increase of authority. Show now. Released. Caitlin, come here. You're going to eventually, I'm saying some things that may sound a little far-fetched now, but eventually you're going to preach the word and you're going to teach, okay? And the Lord is going to use you in a powerful way. And my goodness, let me pray for you, would you, before you get hit by the power here? But Father, I pray a mantling come in Jesus' name. She's going to preach the word, brother. Start praying for her. Pastor Steve-O, come here, brother. Nice. Here, face it. You better face me and get right here, man. Take out my HD 500, man. There's gonna, we're going to have some words, okay? <laughs> Father, I pray for Steve-O. And I feel, I feel led to tell you that um, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And the Lord is going to start shifting things in your life. There's an increase of anointing that's about to come on your life radically. Be careful with it. But I see it coming in Jesus' name right now. There's a mantle. Man, feel that. Feel that. Jill, come here, hun. Increase, increase the anointing, increase, increase the glory. <laughs> I see like a new level, I better come to you. I see a new level of the glory coming over your life. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, remember this, okay, that the glory is your defense. I see the Lord increasing the glory on you radically, not a little bit, a lot. And it's going to come around you. It's going to come around you, says the Lord, mantled now in Jesus' name. Zach, can you stand here, brothers, for the elders? Show! I really feel an increase of anointing on you, Zach, for real. I pray for you. Father, for the elders in Jesus' name. Now! Jesus. Show. Jesus. Jesus. Prophetic intercessors. Can you scoot back just a little? All right. Father, I feel for the intercessors. The God is really about to increase the intercessory ministry here. Oh. I need to pray for you, Sandy, but I don't know where to put you. You want prayer, Tiffany? Sandy, can you come on, hun? Let's go in this other room here. If anybody wants prayer, I'll be happy to pray with people. I'm not trying to exclude anyone, just moving with the Lord. <laughs> Let me get my wife real, real quick here. Sandy, <laughs> prophecies that have been hanging over you. You're a mother in Israel but also things about the prophetic and the, and the intercessor and the teacher. Now the Lord mantles you for the work of the Lord. Whew, man. Tiffany, you're going to do missions work. That's just the way it is. Mantle down. Melissa, whatever you're called to do, I pray it be anointed in Jesus' name. Now. 
Anybody else want prayer? I'm not trying to exclude anyone. Betsy, you want prayer? Okay. Father, I just pray for Jeremy, Lord. I pray increase the anointing in the man's name, Lord. Let him carry what's here. season and when they're completed you're really going to be launched in a much greater thing than you've ever had before in the past i feel that i feel the lord's going to increase the anointing and your effectiveness